Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 6 from The Tire Tracks by James W. Knox. True stories of childhood, adventure, exploration, and friendship. Chapter 6, The Snake Bird or the Bird Snake. Where James and Kyle grew up, it seemed there was water everywhere. The lakes, ponds, ditches, canals, and rivers were all meant to be explored. The boys always began by checking the shorelines. They would follow them around each lake and along the length of each canal or river. They were looking for bridges, bays, campsites, bones, bottles, crabs, fish, or best of all, something they would not be able to identify. Anything might be found along the water's edge. Next, they would tie rocks to strings and throw them into the water to find out how deep it was. This never worked well enough, so they would have to wade out into the water to determine its depth. This worked most of the time, but in the swamps the mud was so thick they could never touch solid ground, and in the rivers past Alligator Point the canals were too deep for them to touch the bottom. Then they would take poles with nets on the end of them and drag the bottoms uh, or sweep the nets through the water to see what they could catch. Usually they caught nothing, but sometimes they would catch a can, a shoe, a tire, or a blue crab, and once, only once, they caught a fish. Neither one of them knew what kind it was. It smelled real bad, and it was slimy, so they threw it back. The crabs they gave to Yo-Yo, Kyle's mother's maid. Her name was really Leola, but when Kyle was a baby, he, his mispronunciation of her name stuck. She probably hated it, but said nothing, for she needed the job. She told the boys she cooked the crabs and that they were real good, but when they got older, the boys figured she probably just threw them away. The first water they explored was the whole four canal on the grown-ups golf course. It was small and not too deep, and the older boys from Dale Ells neighborhood showed them how to use their feet to find golf balls in the muddy bottom, which they would then sell to the golfing men for dimes that were used to buy sprites and cokes at the gas station in town on the corner of Wayne Avenue and US-1. Then they tried the canal behind Kyle's house, but it was all grown up with weeds, and Kyle's dad had killed a big water moccasin in those weeds and hung it on the fence to show the boys why they should stay out of the water. It worked, but only for the one canal where the snake was killed. Then they waded across the narrow, deep, uh, narrow gap that separated Tarpoon Bay from the island. There were lots of crabs there, and tons, a number used by boys not for weight, but for large quantity, which could not be measured, of minnows. The banks of Tarpoon Bay were almost bare at that time, so the boys would get a big glass jar, sit it on the edge of the water, then ploof, force the jar right down into the water where a part of the ton of minnows were swimming. Then they would take the jar full of water and minnows, race up the bank, 
pour out the jar and pretend that a flash flood was washing people, minnows became people with one push of the boy's imagination button, down the mountainsides and into the ocean. Sometimes they would spray paint some of the minnows and come back the next day and see if they could recapture them. From time to time, they actually caught a few of these colorful fish, which were floating lifeless atop the water. Later, the boys would get their hands on a little boat for some real water adventures, but those tales cannot be told just yet. One day, Kyle and James were walking across the bridge that spanned the really nasty canal that separated hole 18 from hole 14 on the golfing course. The water in this place was always covered with slimy, pale green stuff that broke all to pieces when you touched it. The boys called it gangrene because it looked like a disease they had heard of but had never seen. The water itself was an inky brown and you could only see a couple of inches below the surface and that only when the sun was blasting it with all its might. That canal was one of the few places the boys would never go into the water. On the same day that began the last paragraph, they were walking over the bridge, and they heard a bird crying out in distress. Looking down into the water, they saw the bird. Its mouth was open wide like a baby bird in the nest when it wants uh, food. It was uh, squealing real loud like a baby bird in the nest when it is not getting the food it desires. But this was a good-sized dark blue full-grown wade along the edge of the water bird, and it was drowning. The only thing left above the water was its neck and head. We've got to save it, yelled Kyle. It's gonna drown. You're right, said James, dropping down onto the bridge. Lying on his belly, he reached toward the water, but could not get to the bird. Hey, Kyle, quick, hold my feet so I can wiggle out farther over the side. All the bridges on the tire, tire tracks were very narrow, narrow beams of wood, as were most of the ones on the golf course. But this one was made of concrete and was about three feet wide, just room enough for the rescue. So James wiggled closer, closer. Kyle held his legs tighter, tighter. James reached, strained, grasped, and missed. I've got to get just a little closer, Kyle, he yelled. I've got you, man. I've got you, said Kyle with certainty. James reached again and this time seized the bird in his left hand and thought he would pluck it right out of the water, but it was as if the bird was resisting. He tugged it, tugged, but it did not pop out of the scattering gangrene as he expected. Hey, Kyle, something's wrong here, he yelled back over his shoulder. Pull real hard, came the reply. I'll pull on your legs. James took a deep breath, yanked as hard as he could, and, and, the result of this mighty heave left him so shocked that his brain went completely blank. He was too startled to scream, to move, or to think. When he snatched his arm upward, using all his muscle, out came the head of the bird and the neck of the bird, and then he found out 
in an instant while the bird was drowning, a huge snake had swallowed the bird up to its neck, and there was James lying on his belly, holding this huge snake with a bird in its mouth right up in front of his face. Maybe a boy or girl sitting on a couch with a book in their hands knows that a snake with a bird stuck in its throat cannot bite a boy who is on his belly on a little bridge looking that snake in the eye, but nobody with a huge snake right in front of their face knows it. S-snake! yelled Kyle, and instinctively he let go of James's legs and began to run. Ah! yelled James, not because of the snake that still had his brain locked, but because when Kyle let go of his legs, he lunged forward and was falling right off the bridge. Oh no! There were, these were James' last words before he and the snake with the bird all hit the filthy gangrene water. There was a large splash, but it was not very loud because the water was so full of yucky green gunk that it could not make much of a noise. It was more like a huge plop into the muck and slime. The darkness and goo fell a bird all but swallowed. And a snake, no doubt, wandering, wondering about this drastic interruption of its lunch. And a boy who was pretty sure he was about to meet a terrible fate. Driven by terror of the snake and horror of the disease lurking into the, in the canal, James jumped out of that place so fast you would have thought he was the second person ever to walk on water. The disaster had happened so fast it cannot be said for certain if he swam through the water, scrambled along the bottom and the steep bank, or launched forth in like a missile shot from a submarine. All that is known is that before Kyle had time to express his fears that his best friend was a goner, James was on the shore. Ah! 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 He kept screaming over and over as he ran to nowhere or to anywhere, just trying to get away from that snake. Kyle, of course, had a head start. He had been running since he let go of James's leg. When he turned back, he saw a gangrene-covered form racing toward him, yelling, Ah! 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 and shifted into high gear. What the old people in their peculiar clothes, puttering around after their golf balls thought, we will never know. This much is certain. The boys covered the distance from the 14-18 canal to Kyle's yard in world record time. Just as they reached the back patio, James threw his arms around Kyle. They both crashed to the ground, and James started yelling, Snake! Snake! Kyle covered his face and screamed, Snake! Snake! Kyle's mother rushed out the back door, saw the slime, heard them yelling, Snake, and she screamed, Yee! Where's the snake? James looked at Kyle. Kyle looked at James. They both looked at Kyle's mom. Where's the snake? They cried in unison and then burst out laughing. Kyle's mom went back inside, shaking her head. Next time, Chapter 7, The Grave. And this is one of my favorite chapters, talking about the grave that Brother James and his friend Kyle found when they were kids, Adam A. 
and uh, I'll tell you more about that next time when me and brother Blake Muscott and brother Donovan went on a, a tire tracks adventure to find this grave and so this one means a lot to me because we actually did a brother James adventure amen so that will be the next chapter 7 the grave from the tire tracks book by James W. Knox and this can be found at www.jameswnox.org and the um, church uh, store there along with many of his other books so check those out today